This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello and welcome to the Publicly Challenged Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Oswald, and I hope you join me on my quest for knowledge to become a better public land hunter, angler, and forager. Stick with this and who knows, maybe we will learn something together. All right, real quick before we get started on the show, I'm just going to talk about Treeline Academy. You've heard me say it. I can't even tell you how many times. Um, Mark Livesey is treelineacademy.net. That's treelineacademy.net. Sign up. Use the promo code PC2020. Save yourself 20 bucks. Can't say it enough. It's awesome. Amazing. Most comprehensive e-scouting course out there. Check it out for yourself. Sign up. Use promo code PC2020. And now let's get to the show. All right. So I'm sitting here and I'm talking to Daniel Cullums. And... Daniel's got a pretty cool story to tell. So, Daniel, I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce yourself, man. All right. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on the podcast. It means a lot. Um, but, yeah, so to talk about myself, I'm 18. My name's Daniel, um, Daniel Collins. And, um, like, what I'm most passionate about in life is is God. I'm a Christian, you know. Um, and second of all, I'm extremely passionate about hunting and i guess that's why i'm on here tonight <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> so, I, yeah. somebody told me about you and just kind of um they said man this kid super passionate about hunting and and uh, i think he's going to have a huge year and i've been following you on social media and kind of just seeing what you've been up to and it's it's pretty cool i mean it's definitely cool to see somebody so young being able to do so many different things and going so many places. And I mean, I didn't figure out Western hunting. Well, I, I shouldn't say figure out cause I haven't figured out anything in life yet really, but, um, never really wanted to pursue Western hunting until later in life. And, um, man, you're, 
you're 18 years old. You just turned, I mean, you were 17 years old, right? And you came to your parents and, and said, you know, I want to go out West and, and, uh, hunt some stuff. And you went out and could you kind of just like get into all that, like how it started, um, and, and where, where the archery thing kind of even started, you could start with that. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. So I started shooting archery in competition about, um, I think I started two years ago. I've been doing competition for a year and a half. But um, the Western hunting started three and a half years ago. I went to Colorado. I saved up all my money from mowing grass. And uh, and I went out that year, wasn't successful. Went out the next year, I wasn't successful. Um, and then the year after that, I went with my dad to Wyoming. We spent uh, two weeks there, and I was lucky enough to get a... Uh, a pronghorn buck and then i came back we stayed i stayed at the house for a week and then i went back out with my mom to uh colorado and i got a mule deer there it was my first mule deer um I had an elk tag as well but i didn't see any so but western hunting i uh it's i've always wanted to do it so that first you know three and a half years ago when i got the, the opportunity to i uh I took it right up because I love the West, always have, and uh, um, I've always wanted to get an elk and all those majestic. There's so much, so much more fun hunting out there than than here hunting whitetail because you know you have the opportunity to see all that stuff and it's just beautiful out there. But um, that's pretty much it. So let's kind of get in um, to the whole thing where, I mean did you how far in advance were you planning this to go out and do your trip out west and do uh the whole the whole wyoming thing all by yourself um the all by myself was just about six months before but really it was it was last year as soon as i got back from wyoming i wanted to knew that i was going to go right back so i've been saving you know that whole year this whole past summer i didn't even eat lunches at work i just uh <laughs> packed lunches and you know i was saving every penny and and uh put in for all my tags and stuff and uh lucky enough to draw that that mule deer tag and then the two antelope tags in wyoming but i've been kind of preparing for it you know for a year but really only prepared for prepare for it, you know hardcore for about a month getting everything together so what kind of gear and everything did you have to get and prepare for that trip uh i bought a uh a backpack i bought a hard backpack sleeping bag a new sleeping bag um, a new cook set i mean pretty much everything i spent a lot, a lot of money on it all <laughs> more than i would like to but it was all good and um i was lucky enough uh we got my tags the night before i turned 18 so it was the youth prices so that saved me a few hundred dollars right there but um yeah it was a lot of money but it was well worth it it was time of my life out there so let's let's get into that then um uh, so you convinced your parents or were they like no it's it's okay go ahead and go out there you know all by yourself no hunting buddy no nothing or or was there a little bit of convincing <laughs> no they they were up for it um especially my dad and well, and my mom both. They're both very laid back and totally okay with it. They knew that, you know, 
there's more of a chance that I get hurt doing anything else than going out there. So, um, you drove out, did you, did you break up the trip or were you, were you driving it straight through all by yourself? What'd you do? I, uh, normally I do 12 hours one day and 12 hours the next day, 24 hours out there and, uh, stayed when I was going out there the first, first night I stayed at my mom's, uh, friend from college's house and then ended up in Sundance, Wyoming. Uh, I stayed there again and then went all the way into middle Wyoming. So I guess it took me two and a half days to get there. And then, uh, kind of go into just the whole thing. You had two antelope tags and, uh, and a mule deer tag, right? Yeah, I had a, yeah, that's exactly right. I had just the two antelope doe tags, um, because I got my buck tag the year before. Um, I didn't have enough points in any of the units, but, and with my, Mule deer, that was uh, in the Bighorn Mountains, and I spent, um, I, I was there for two, three weeks there, but I got my mule deer on the 11th or 12th day, and uh, that was that was awesome. I was out there every day trying to spot up mule deer, and I went on several different stocks, and then um, ended up with the one I had, and then those days afterwards, I hooked up with a friend um, that lives there in Wyoming, and, and I helped him um, hunt some antelope and, and mule deer. And he had an elk tag as well because he lives there, and he was just in any general unit because he he's lucky and lives in Wyoming. But uh, we we hung out, so I was there for three weeks, and then after that, I went to uh, uh, eastern Wyoming and spent another um, two weeks there hunting those two. Uh, You'll, I mean, to antelope. Sorry. So, um, how was it? it w- was it a spot and stock? I mean, did you use your bow when you got the the mule deer? Right. Yeah, yeah. That was my first traditional kill. I guess I should have went into that. Um, <laughs> but the uh, mule deer. So I went on. That was my fourth stock, and it wasn't really much of a stock. But the three three stocks before that was just you know they winded me or they. Uh, um, they saw me or something, you know, went wrong or the doe saw me. But on the story with the one I actually got, that same friend came in a couple days um, before just for the weekend. So we were driving around the roads and there was this small 200 acre piece of BLM land. And as we were driving by, um, we saw these three monster mule deer out in the just happened to be in the 200 acres surrounded by thousands of acres of the private. So, um, so that was right at dark and we saw him, we watched him all the way until dark. And then he left the next day and I decided that I would come back the, the next evening to just see if they were still doing the same thing. And they, and they were, and I filmed them with my camera and everything. And I would have tried to do something about it, but they actually crossed the road and, and on the cross the road was another unit. So I couldn't do anything about it. So I figured, you know, they were coming out about 545. So I went back the next night and set up in that edge of that field. And right at 530, they, uh, they came out and there was five of them in the group. And the biggest one was in the front. And I don't know how big he is. I'm not, I'm not good at, you know, scoring <laughs> mule deer. He was well outside the years. And I know that's big for a mule deer. Um, and he comes up at 15 yards, but 
issue was I was uh, at full draw forever because they kept they were looking at me and I couldn't let down because I figured they were going to see my movement and bust off. Um, but they didn't. They didn't bust off and they came. He came right up at 15 yards and I was so weak at that point from holding my bow for I was probably holding it back for two minutes and with no let off. That's really hard to do. So I missed him low and he him and all the other ones except the one that I got. Um, which was the smallest one in the group. And he came out at, or he turned and stopped at 37 yards. And I knocked another arrow and got enough blood in my arms and pulled back and, and I hit him a little far back, but, um, he looked like he was, he was done right when I shot him. He hunkered down and they kind of walked off. And then I went over there and there was no blood. So I gave him the, the whole night. And I came back the next morning. And there was still no blood, and I was kind of discouraged because I thought there may be a chance I wasn't going to find them. But I started doing a, a grid pattern in that whole um, 200 acres, and and by God's grace, I I ran over them. There was still no blood. I I found the trail he went down, and I walked from him back to where I shot him. It was 380 yards. That's how far he went, and not a single drop of blood or hair or anything. And I was probably five feet from him when I first saw him because they blend in so well while they're, you know, dead. And um, that was an amazing feeling when I, when I saw him and um, realized what I'd done, got my first traditional kill. That's pretty cool. So then after that, you kind of, I mean, were you truck camping the whole time or camping? Uh, like, were you packing in and camping? Or what were you doing? I was doing, I was doing a little bit of both. That I wanted to do more backpacking in and, and tent camping. I bought all the stuff for that. That's another thing I bought was a, a shelter system and everything. But where I was hunting was just so flat. It's like a giant prairie with just some topography. So there's nearly no sense in packing in. Right. So I was hunting out of the truck most of the time, um, which was fine. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much what I did. Were you uh were you keeping yourself well fed or what were you doing for food out there? Uh so um my dad and I dehydrated a bunch of meals. Um I was gonna buy a bunch of like a hundred of the peak refuel meals and then I got to the total and it was like a lot of money. So <laughs> <laughs> to buy a dehydrator and we're gonna dehydrate um all these meals and my dad's a, a great um cook. He, He's amazing in the kitchen. So uh, we whipped up a bunch of meals, and I never ran out, but I was eating about a, two of them a day and uh, some oatmeal in the morning. And I probably had like 70 meals as well. Prepared. So what kind of meals did you uh, dehydrate? Kind of curious. Uh, no, we had uh, Mexican um, tomatillo soup, uh, pad thai, chili, um, uh, the the greatest thing of all was shrimp and grits, che- shrimp and cheese grits, and that was that was amazing. But, so where'd you get the idea to do the dehydrating of the uh, meals? I'm not really sure. I think it's just something we always knew about. My dad okay. was into that before, so nice. That's cool. That's cool. I've got 
we did an episode about dehydrating meals. So, <laughs> um, so anyway, um, so you went and after you got the, the mule deer, you, what'd you do? You packed it up in the cooler and just kept it cool the whole time? Or did you take it to a processor? Well, I was going to take it to a processor and I got blessed really, really. I mean, I was really blessed here. Um, the day that I, that I found them, I got them to the truck. And when I got to the truck, there was a, I had a flat and I was, uh, 13 miles from the town. And I didn't know what to do because there's no, there's no houses out there. It was just in the middle of nowhere. So, and I was out of signal and I was trying to get to the top of the mountain to, to call my dad to ask him what I should do. And I was lucky enough. There's, um, some farmers came by and they helped me out. Um, cause I didn't have any tools and, and they put the spare on and everything. And then I got back to town and I was going to drop it off in, in Buffalo and get a find a processor and pay them daily to, to freeze it until I left Wyoming. And I just happened to run into this, this person who's over a, a little RV park, um, in Casey where I was, where I was hunting. And, uh, they, we became good friends and they were like, Hey, you can just leave that mule deer in our freezers. And, and, uh, it was there for three weeks and they never asked money for it or anything. And, uh, they were, they were really awesome people. And then I, when I got my antelope, um, I ran into, well, my old, I used to shoot, uh, sporting clays with skeet. And my old coach came out and he was like, Hey, will you help me get, uh, I have three, uh, antelope tags. You helped me get those. So I took that antelope before, uh, back to them and they, they freeze the antelope as well for two or three days. And then I took it all home over dry ice and it was, still frozen when i got home that's cool so you shot two antelope right out there and then you turned around came home and then how long you were home for a little bit and then you turned right back around so kind of give me the details on that yeah i was home for a week and a half and uh and then immediately went back to colorado with the uh, same group that i've been going with for the three and a half years and um with the intentions of hunting hard, I said, I'm just going to give it all, you know, give it my all and, and hunt day out till dark every day. And, and, uh, on the last morning after all that work and in the freezing cold, um, it all came together that herd of elk came through and three cows, you know, came out and I was just waiting for the bull. I could just hear, still hear it crashing down in the woods. And I was like, I knew he was going to step out because that was the same herd I've been kind of watching. I knew of, um, and he came out and shot him at like 150 yards. And, and that was, yeah, it was the greatest, probably the greatest day of my life. Cause <laughs> I wanted to have a, an elk. And, and the fact he was, it's a good elk for an over the counter. Like, I don't know what the odds there are, but I think it's, it's under 10%. Um, so, not only that, it's, it's a very good bull for that area. And, you know, I'm blessed with that. Um, so that was an amazing trip. Yeah. I gotta say, I mean, I hunted, I hunted pretty close to the same area that you were in. Um, and that was my first elk hunt and I didn't even see any bulls. So, 
you must have been doing something right and and your dad's buddy that was with you i mean it seems like he knew the area pretty well and that's pretty cool that you know you got to go along with him and and kind of learn all that you know from him and and the area because i mean man I, like i said i didn't even see any bulls and i know that and it was pretty hard and I, talking to some of the townspeople and stuff like that they were even telling me oh yeah you know like i think one or two was killed this season when i was there i mean it wasn't a lot of of animals taken so that's a pretty good feat and then um you you kind of you turned you turned around and you came home and and then you just had another pretty good success pretty pretty shortly here right i mean <laughs> decided to do a little bit uh what was it rifle whitetail hunting or yeah it was, it was a rifle uh unfortunate part about that is he was within bow range so I was a little disappointed, but um, it was my biggest whitetail of all time. And uh, in public land, and I was up the tree, and he came through at about nine o'clock. Real old, real old deer. He was um, the game warden said probably in his mid sevens. So he was gray and bald on his head. His ear was ripped, or another bucket put the tine through and ripped it out. <laughs> He was blind in one eye, had a big cyst on his neck, and um, yeah, he was pretty mangled up, but I've always wanted to get an old deer like that, but it was my biggest white tail to date. He came through at nine o'clock, and at 30 yards, um, I shot him. I wish I had my, my recurve with me, but I shot him with my, my rifle, and um, another great experience i've been very blessed this year to have all these absolutely you have i mean you're you were keeping that freezer full and feeding feeding that big family of yours for sure (laughs) we had to buy buy two new freezers um (laughs) that's freezers so we have a bunch of meat right now that's good that's really cool so when you were out in colorado you were kind of telling me that uh you had kind of i mean it was a neat experience but at the same time it was kind of you know a little bit scary to think about but you can can you kind of tell me about that the the mountain lion experience? yeah that one yeah so um it was another kind of dream of mine to run <laughs> into one of those things because you know they're awesome but this one evening i went out um after a big snowstorm on the mountain we came down because it was just snowing left to right and lightning and that stuff but uh Decided to go out to this spot where one of the guys told me to go. And it was just sitting there. I got up to the spot, sit down. And five minutes after I sit down, this big, I think it was a Tom, came by at, at 10, 15 yards and just staring right at me, walking up my, walking up the same trail I came up, just tracking me, a uh, big mountain lion. And to, it was pretty, you know, it was, it was pretty scary, but at the same time, when he came through, I was, uh, I was kind of happy I was, yeah. <laughs> I when I, when I first saw him because, you know, it was kind of a dream. And then that, that, that you know, that joy of seeing him kind of shrunk away when he, he pounced down, like he was going to pounce on me and kind of got low and I racked the shell in the gun. Well, that's. I pulled the trigger and it was a dud shell. I mean, what are the odds of that? <laughs> Go off. So I racked another one in and squeezed the trigger right over his head and didn't do a thing. He just, he, 
eased up a little bit, but it didn't scare him, didn't scare him off. So I was a little nervous at that point. But I kept yelling at him, yelling at him. And finally, he, he just eased off and then stopped probably 30 yards and went in a bush just looking at me. And this went on for five minutes. He was looking at me and then just eased off. But uh, it was an awesome experience. Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially now that it's over with, because <laughs> it could have turned pretty <laughs> ugly pretty quick. So I'm glad, have, uh, glad you had the wherewithal to try and try and warn it and 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 ward it off anyway, because it would have sucked if that one shell that was the dead shell and it tried to actually pounce on you <laughs> would have been a different outcome. I, <laughs> I was trying to find that shell, but once I racked it out, there was like five inches of snow on the ground. And I had no idea where it went, but one day I'll go up over there and try to find that shell. Yeah. And, cover it so what are i mean what are your plans for the rest of the year then because hunting season's not quite over yet what what are you trying to do now it's not quite over yet and uh i'm trying to i'm gonna keep hunting whitetail and hopefully get another one of those and i may try to maybe even get a couple of those i want to try to learn how to do uh taxidermy and i was going to do my buck that i shot or I said the next buck I'm going to shoot, I'm going to learn how to taxidermy it by myself. And then it had that big cyst and then the bald spots, and I want it to look really good with the blind eye, so I'm going to get somebody to do that one. But I may shoot a doe and try to, to you know, taxidermy that myself. Um, and then there's a oddball chance that I'll go to Alabama and hunt hogs. Um, that's just kind of a friend said that, that might be a chance, so hopefully that comes soon. So what uh, if if you go do the hog hunt? Uh, what, you going to take a a gun, or are you going to take your bow, or what are you going to do? Take my bow. There's a bunch of hogs down there, so I'm going to try to get one with my bow. What kind of arrow are you shooting with your bow? What's your setup? Uh, my setup is a Hoyt Satori, and I have the Samick uh, Discovery lens on it. They're comb, uh, foam carbon lens, and then. I have a, I think they're gold to traditional XT and 200 grain Strickland up front with the collar. So I think it's like 275 grains up front. Um, but it's a little slow of an arrow. It's like 700 something grains. Uh, not the arrow's fault. It's my bow. I don't have enough weight on my bow. I think that's not- okay though. I mean, you're hurling some serious mass, especially front of center Wait. like that. You're. I wouldn't worry about a hog with that. No, no, no. It went straight through my mule deer. It didn't even slow down. It yeah. actually went in, It went 20 yards past it and stuck halfway in the dirt. So yeah. No, that's a pretty good setup. I was just kind of curious to see. I always like asking people what they do. I mean, like even my compound bow, I'm shooting a heavier arrow. I'm shooting like 618 grains. So I, I shoot, I like adult arrows as well. <laughs> yeah, I like it. That's just... I'm shooting 44 pounds, so it's kind of it's having a hard time shooting those arrows as fast as I like them to. But yeah, um, that's not bad. I think my I want to say my buddy's got a longbow with uh, reflex deflex in the limb, so it's a little bit faster. And he's shooting like I think his arrows are like 602 grains or something. Um, but he he's shooting fast, like 177 feet per second with that or something like that. I mean that's that's cruising for a longbow with with a heavy arrow like that. I couldn't believe it when we stuck it on the chrono. And I mean, I was only like two hundred and forty four feet per second. So he's he's hanging in there pretty good. 
<laughs> so, yeah. um, are you planning on doing like mule deer next year in Arizona, like uh, beginning of the year or something, or what? Are you? I kind of heard somebody asking you if you're going to Arizona to, to do a little bit of archery in January. It's a possibility. I, when I was in Wyoming, I was pretty sure I was going to do it, but now I'm back and I'm, I'm trying to start a uh, pressure washing business and <laughs> trying to all the money to, to buy all that stuff. And maybe I'll go, maybe I won't, but I would love to go. Uh, again. Yeah, I think it'd be pretty cool. I'm still debating myself whether or not I want to go. I find it hard because, man, I wish I had the the time that you had to go out and do all that. But life comes at you, so I'm, it's so cool to see you getting out there and doing it now and and being able to do that because you you just never know. And like me, if I burn up that vacation come January and then say I draw two elk tags, I'm cashed out for the year and I don't have any any vacation left whatsoever to, you know, spend time yeah. with the kids and go somewhere or anything like that. So that's awesome. Definitely enjoy it and enjoy your youth like that, man. Cause it's, it, it's fleeting. It leaves you so, so much faster than uh, you realize. Um, and it's awesome to just kind of see you out there doing what you're doing, doing the whole public land DIY and, and for an 18 year old kid, I'm going to call you a kid making it happen. <laughs> It's just neat. It's really cool. And um, I got to say, Daniel, I'm pretty excited to kind of kind of just keep watching, seeing where you're going. Um, and it was definitely good having you on the show and talking to you and kind of getting to hear your story and being able to share it with people. So before we go, can you tell everybody where they can find you and, and follow you along on your journey and uh, all that good stuff? Uh, on, on the old Instagram at uh, Public Land Dan or Daniel Collins on Facebook. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate you having me on the podcast. It means a lot. And, uh, hopefully stretch out the, the hunting as long as I can. Absolutely. Do you got a YouTube channel or anything like that? No, but I, while I was out there, I filmed a lot in my opinion, um, a bunch of stuff and I'm going to get that edited and try to get it on YouTube and that will be under public plan band. So maybe in the, like if you're watching this podcast like a year later, maybe you'll be on there. <laughs> that's cool. No, I mean, I, that's, I, uh, I try to film things and do things and, and half the time I forget to even take a picture because I just, I find myself getting so wrapped up in the moment, which is a good thing, I guess, other than the fact that it's hard to share it with people other than just using words to convey it because you forgot to take a picture, but no, I get it. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty cool that you did that. And, uh, thanks for coming on and, uh, Good luck with everything you got coming up. Yeah, thank you. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Publicly Challenged podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to. Also, if you could leave a review, that would help us out. And you can check us out on Instagram or at publiclychallenged.com. And once again, thank you so much for listening to the show.
Every once in a while, it's fun to go like just full-blown redneck on these fish. This is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chasing the Sun, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. the most legendary shows in the outdoors is on Waypoint TV. Don't miss Primo's Truth About Hunting, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.